Coast to coast, nonstop action. This is the premier source for National Hockey League news. Scores, highlights, and the Anaheim Ducks. It's time to light the lamp with Alexis Downey. Welcome to Light the Lamp here on Duck Stream from the Paul Korea Studio. I am your host, Alexis Downey. Happy first day of March. This is one of the best sports months of the year every year because we get March Madness, the NHL, the NBA, the trade deadline, and spring training is underway. I mean, what more could you ask for as a sports fan? And we're halfway through the week right now, and it's been a crazy one. If you've been following along with the NHL, it's hard to believe it's only Wednesday with all of the trades that have already happened. Now, the Ducks are continuing their three-game homestand tonight when they host the Washington Capitals for the second time in the past week. Last Thursday was their last meeting with the Ducks getting a 4-2 to win. This was a big one, shutting down the Capitals. And John Gibson made 41 saves on 43 shots in that one. Now, as we came to morning skate today, we were told that John Klingberg and Dmitry Kulikov are being held out of the lineup tonight for trade deadline reasons. Nothing imminent at the time being as I record this, but we will see if anything heats up as the day goes on and into the rest of the week. So something to keep your eye on with those two guys. The Capitals traded their center and Lars Eller to the Colorado Avalanche this morning for a second round pick in the 2025 draft. Eller is in his final season of a five-year contract and was set to become an unrestricted free agent after this season. And also this morning at Morning Skate, we had a chance to see our very first look at number 17, the newest duck, Scott Harrington, who took the ice. And he will be making his debut against the Capitals tonight in the Ducks lineup after he was claimed on waivers on Tuesday. We had the chance to chat with him about what a crazy week it's been for him. So take a listen. So I'm sure it's been a whirlwind week in general for you, but how are you feeling now that you're here in Anaheim? I feel great. I'm uh, really happy to be here. Um, like you said, yeah, definitely a crazy couple of days, but um, super excited to have uh, landed here in Anaheim, and uh, it's nice to get on the ice with the guys this morning. Were you a bit surprised starting on Sunday with the Sharks and then heading to the Devils and then being put on waivers and then you know being happy to obviously be picked up? Yes, definitely. I um, I didn't think that I'd be traded. Um, I mean, I, I was on an, an expiring contract, so um, you know, I, at this time of year, those are the guys that are, are mostly getting moved. But um, you know, when you first find out you get traded, it's you're kind of sad that you're leaving, you're leaving some friends behind. But at the same time, you're excited to, to about the new team, the new opportunity, and. And then to be put on waivers was obviously disappointing. Um, so that was, you know, kind of a high, then a low, and then to get picked up by Anaheim, um, we are thrilled about. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's been a pretty pretty crazy couple of days, like I said, and not really knowing where we were, where we were going to end up, what that was going to look like, you know, if we would know anyone on the team or anything like that. So um, to end up here in Anaheim not far from San Jose, which where we've been this year and, and where we loved. Um, it, it's super exciting. Um, my wife and I, neither of us had spent any time in California, but we're loving it so far and we're excited that we're going to uh, get a chance to stay here for the next six weeks. Well, Anaheim has a lot to offer. The beach, the mountains, all of that. Uh, I'm sure you'll be able to take in some of the sites too and maybe some off time over the next m- couple months. Yeah, hopefully. Well, uh, <laughs> have to uh, ask some of the other guys about their favorite spots and recommendations but you know I mean I, I've known enough guys that have 
I've played here now or I've played here in the past that, you know, Anaheim has a great reputation for hockey as well as for just uh, living in, in uh, the surrounding area. So, um, you know, for us to to get a chance to, to spend some time here, we're, we're thrilled. We're really excited for it. And, um, and you know, on a hockey side, it's, it's great to come into a, or an organization where um, it seems like there's going to be some opportunity um, right now just with all the trades that's going on. So, you know, I'm just just looking. Um, I'm looking forward for uh, to another opportunity to just kind of showcase myself to a new organization and, and kind of show them what I can do. And I also heard you mention that you have played with some of the guys on the Ducks previously. Uh, who were some of those guys? Yeah, I played. Um, I played in Toronto briefly with Sammy Carrick. I played two years in my first two years pro in Wilkesbury with the uh, Penguins farm team with Megs. Um, so that was fun. We were kind of learning how to live on our own and stuff for the first time. I played, uh, I think, a year, maybe two, with uh, Stoles in London. And then I've played with Stromer on probably three or four um, Team Canada teams whenever we were younger and in junior. So um, I don't know. I'm probably forgetting <laughs> someone else. I have to look at the nameplates. But uh, it, it makes it nice whenever you're coming to a new place. Um, it can be kind of intimidating coming into a new room when you don't know anyone. Um, so it's nice that I know those guys and um, some of their wives have reached out to my wife already. So um, it just makes you feel at home and uh, makes you feel welcome and um, looking forward to getting to know everyone. Scott Harrington, welcome to Anaheim. Thank you very much. And now let's go coast to coast with goal calls from around the NHL on Tuesday night. In addition to all of the news that was happening yesterday. The Boston Bruins in Calgary Flames faced off amidst all of the trade deadline talk and the top ranked Bruins were able to top the Flames at the Saddle Dome. And this was crazy because the Bees were outshot in this one 57 to 20 and they still found a way to win. Now, Dmitry Orlov, who is a new member of the Bruins, had two goals as a part of the win, both of those coming in the first period. But it was Charlie McAvoy who netted the winner with just 4.3 seconds remaining in overtime to get the 4-3 win for the Bruins. And that gave them their 47th win of the season. Listen to the call of the winner from Judd Surratt. Bergeron wins the draw. Banked the head up left wing. Marchand skates into it over the line left side. Left circle. Cuts in. Shoots off the side of the cage. Back of the net. Marchand with it. Kicks to the stick. To Bergeron. McAvoy shoots. He scores! With four seconds left here in overtime, Charlie McAvoy drilled it inside the near post. This baby was an absolute robbery. Lena Solmark spectacular tonight. He stopped 54 shots, and the Boston Bruins have won a season-high eight consecutive games, and they run the table here out west. Your final here tonight in overtime. Bruins four and the Flames three. The LA Kings completed a comeback win on Tuesday, going all the way to the shootout to close it out against the Jets 6-5 to on Tuesday night. Andrzej Kopitar had four goals in this game, including a hat trick alone in the second period. Now Kopitar's first on the night came on the power play off a nicely set up play from Kevin Fiala, feeding it over to Kopitar. And it was a big night with LA as they traded away goalie Jonathan Quick not long after the game. That is something I'm going to get into more later and with today's guest. Nick Nixon has the call of Kopitar's goal. 
Kings win the draw. Doughty for Fiala. Cross ice pass. Shot score! Andre Kopitar. Boy, that did not take very long. The Kings won the draw and set up Kopitar at the base of the right circle for a one timer. The power play goal. Kings are on the board. The Jets lead. Cut in half. Jets are up two to one. And the last goal call for today came from the Pittsburgh Penguins and Nashville Predators game, a game that remained scoreless through two periods of play, but the Preds got it going first in the third period before a goal from Penguins captain Sidney Crosby changed the entire momentum in this one. Sid tied it up at the 11-minute mark in the third period off a solid pass from Brock McGinn, who gave Crosby the breakaway and put it past UC Soros. The Penguins now have 69 points and are in the wild card hunt in the East right now. Hear the call from Penn's Josh Getzoff. Sanford to it, back to the left point. Yossi Slapper blocked. Raquel gets it to McGinn, snaps it forward, Crosby behind the defense, in a load of shot, scores! Who else but the captain? Put him on your back, Sid. It's 1-1 with nine minutes to go. Now, like I mentioned, with all of the trades happening, we have to go through a couple of the bigger pieces of news that came out of Tuesday, beginning with Patrick Keene officially confirmed to the New York Rangers, and it was a part of a three-team trade with the Chicago Blackhawks and Arizona Coyotes. It's the end of an era in Chicago for Blackhawks fans. Certainly a very big change in that city for them and in the organization. And he's expected to make his Rangers debut against Ottawa at Madison Square Garden on Thursday. Now, I just mentioned it, but goaltender Jonathan Quick who is a part of the LA Kings is now a part of the Columbus blue jackets. After he was traded on Tuesday night, the Kings received goalie Jonas Corposalo and defenseman Vladislav Gavrikov in exchange. And reportedly this took place while the plane was on their way back from Winnipeg to LA. It was leaked. So certainly not ideal timing for that one. And the last piece of news that I'd like to touch on, the Detroit Red Wings signed Dylan Larkin to an eight-year, 8.7 average annual value extension on Wednesday morning. He has played all 563 career NHL games with Detroit. He was from Detroit. He grew up there, and he's staying home. Now, he has 57 points in 59 games played this season, and this was really big for the Red Wings to get this one done with their captain. So to look at everything that's happened already this week, especially on Tuesday, we welcome back Shayna Goldman to break down each of the trades. Shayna also shared her perspective of the Ducks players potentially on the market. Take a listen. Back again today on Light the Lamp is the Athletic. Shayna Goldman. Shayna, you've been Gossip Girl this week on Twitter, and it's been a crazy week of the trade deadline so far. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm enjoying, you know, the chaos that we never saw coming. We never see trades like this, you know, ahead of the deadline. So, you know, I'm just having a good time during having some fun. Well, let's talk about off the top. One of the biggest trades that happened last night, Jonathan Quick is going to be a part of the Columbus Blue Jackets now. Uh, what was your initial reaction to this trade? If you were awake when it, it happened even too? <laughs> Yes, I was. I was waiting for the return. And then I got to the point that I was like, all right, this is tomorrow's problem. <laughs> um, but that was a big shocker. Like, it made sense the Kings wanted to make a change in net. You know, their goaltend has been below expectations this year. It really hasn't been ideal from quick. 
it's just tough that it came at this point in his contract when you think of him as a franchise player. But the thing is, like, the Kings could have done this for the last five years. If you go back last year, he had some really hot streaks and his numbers were really good, but there were times he lost the net too because he struggled and then he bounced back at the end of the year. The three seasons before that were bad and, you know, different levels of bad. There was bad, there was terrible, there was out, outright horrible. So it's something that honestly would have been excusable throughout that time. So it's unfortunate for him that he gets moved and doesn't get to finish his, you know, his contract out with the Kings. It's unfortunate the timing of it all happened, you know, it leaking while they're on the team plane, which I'm sure was an experience. But mm -hmm. it does make sense for the Kings to move on from him and go for someone like Corpus Allo, who will give them a little more certainty for this season. And he's a goalie I'm skeptical about, too. His priors really aren't that good, but he managed chaos so well in Columbus this year that I see why L.A. would want to take the bet on him. And I know you recently had Phoenix Copley on the Athletics Hockey Show. Uh, so kind of ironic timing with that as well, having this big trade happen with his counterpart. Yeah, absolutely. And it was interesting because we did get to talk to Copley about how it is adjusting to a new team system and, mm. you know, who does a goalie typically work with? And he was speaking so highly of the Kings goaltending staff and how they helped him, you know, acclimate there. But it's something we don't often see. Teams are so... We're all terrible at analyzing goaltending. Literally no one can do it but previous goalies. It's it's something we all need to get a lot better at. Mm -hmm. But it's even harder to do that on the fly. And if you're, you know, acquiring someone at the deadline and they're not even going to be your starter, there's even less opportunity for them to get used to their surroundings by the time the playoffs roll around. So it's something we don't always see teams go for. So I'm really interested to see how this works out. And, you know, it would make sense if this is more of a 50-50 split through the rest of the regular season. That'll give Corpus Allo more time to adjust to the team in front of him you know, it's a totally new environment, totally new systems. But I'm curious if any other teams take that leap, because there are definitely teams that could use goaltenders out there. When you talk about goaltenders, obviously here at in Anaheim, we have John Gibson, who has been fantastic for us this season, facing a ton of shots on goal. Uh, do you think that a team may look at him? I don't see why not. If mm -hmm. I'm a team, I, you know, the last couple of seasons, I can see why they'd scare teams away. But I think the last two years, we saw Gibson have these stretches of maybe not peak Gibson, but still really good Gibson. And, mm -hmm. you know, you, you consider the workload he's faced. We know that he's been good behind stronger defensive teams. We know that he can handle a lot of shot volume and shot quality against. I think it came to a certain point in both seasons, this and last year, where it was just too much for one goaltender to handle. And I think it started to weigh on his game, which is kind of natural in a rebuild and, you know, in that kind of setting. I would be curious what a change in scenery would look like for him if he could bounce back because we know he has the strengths to be one of the best goalies in the league. Even if he couldn't reach those heights at this point in his career, I still think he could be someone that's very good. But it's always risky because, mm -hmm. you know, you just never know how everything's going to work out. But I don't know. I still think that there's some positive signs that if I'm a team looking for a goaltender and the deal is right, you know, mm -hmm. why not? Right. Well, the biggest storyline yesterday, Patrick Kane finally heading to be on Broadway, a part of the New York Rangers. Uh, you know, it, it was just held out for most of the week, it seemed like. We were just waiting for the news to finally happen. But now that it's official, uh, what are you expecting to see from him now when he's with the Rangers? Uh, so I think that it's fair to say this isn't peak Patrick Kane. Mm -hmm. You know, there's really nothing wrong with saying that. At this point in his career, he's not. Um, it's even more so when you look at where he's been. I think we're going to see a much different Patrick Kane than we saw through much of the regular season. I think we're going to see the player that we did see in this last week when he took it upon himself to show he's healthy, he's good to go, he's still ready to rip. So 
you know, it's, I think a change in environment is going to be such a game changer for him when you think about how bad Chicago is, not just defensively, which is a weakness of his, but offensively this year. So it's going to be like, it's, I think it's going to take him back a couple years, you know, playing with someone like Artemi Panarin, if he's on that top line, he doesn't have to be the elite player that he used to be. He just has to be the complimentary talent. And I think he's more than just a complimentary talent. And if he goes on that top line, he's Mika's Zibanejad as the play driver. So again, you can be that supporter that facilitates your, you know, your line mates game. If he plays with Kreider and Zibanejad, he's the perfect playmaker to match up with them. If he plays with Panarin, I think you're going to see a little bit more of dual threat action on each wing of that line. So either way, I think it's a really good spot for him to succeed in. And I'd be very surprised if he doesn't bounce back. For people in Chicago right now, I mean, this is an entirely new transition that they're having and a new look at the Blackhawks. I mean, what do you say to the people in Chicago with what they're going through right now with this whole new team that they're going to be seeing? Yeah, it is not great for the fans. And it's even worse when you think about how much stock the Blackhawks put in the fact that they'd be able to move Kane and Taves this year. And obviously, Kane determined his future, and the Blackhawks lost a ton of leverage, so the return wasn't what it should have been. And they lose Taves as a trade piece altogether. It It's tough to withstand as a fan, I'm sure, through that environment, especially when you look at the past trades they made. So many would argue you could have gotten more for Kirby Doc. Maybe you should have pushed harder to either keep Hagel or Doc as part of the rebuild, or just get better returns for both of them. And there's nothing you can do about the past now. So ideally, they can just start turning the page and hope that the next era of Blackhawks hockey is going to be better. But I think the way you see a rebuild doesn't always go perfectly. You look at New York and how well it went. You look at Tampa Bay and the results that they have, even though it was a long process. It's so important to keep in mind, like when a team chooses to step back sooner than the point that they absolutely have to do a teardown rebuild. And I'm thinking of the Washington Capitals right now, mm-hmm. you know, take that as a good thing because maybe they can quickly retool it a little bit faster and extend a window instead of making it such a long process. Even if they seem like a playoff team at the time when they say, you know what, we're just not good enough. With the Capitals, I mean, they just traded away Lars Eller this morning, not too long before we're talking right now, and the Ducks are going to be playing the Capitals tonight. What did you think of that trade? I think it's a little bit much for a depth player, honestly, to be sending a second. But I think the value of a second-round pick from Colorado is essentially a third, so that's you know one part of it. And two, they're getting salary retention, so that's another big win for Colorado. I think Washington's playing this really well. They're being super smart about which players they want to keep around, like Nick Jensen, and which players they don't. And they're making sure they get the most for them. Do I think they could have gotten more for Hathaway and Orlov if they traded them individually? Possibly. Mm -hmm. I think that that was a little bit shorter of a return than they should have wanted for that pair of players. But we're already seeing them take those assets and turn them around. So the first-round pick from Boston got used in the Sandine trade with the UFA that maybe they weren't going to be able to keep. And now they have a young defenseman that's going to help them for years to come. Like they're playing this really smart. So I'm intrigued to see what happens with that second round pick. Is it something they ever use? Or are we going to see another trade, another young player go back to the Capitals? Could they be on a big name like a Jacob Chikrin? Or are they going to look under the radar for more players like Sandine to help turn this around even quicker? The Ducks announced this morning that they will be holding out John Klingberg and Dmitry Kulikov as well in tonight's game for trade deadline reasons. Um, Do you see those guys, you know, getting some attention and possibly fitting in, you know, on a certain team? Yeah, so I think the thing is the Orlov trade did mess up the market for defensemen because I think had he not been moved to to get to the Bruins, that Gavrikov would have gone for a lot more and set the bar high. And it would have been like a repeat of last year where we saw 
in balanced returns, you know, for depth defensemen, like first round picks for Ben Sherratt and mm-hmm. second round picks for Jeremy Lazan, when maybe that's not truly fitting. So that does hurt a player like Kulikov, who I think could have been overpaid for. But I do think that there's going to be teams that are going to want to bolster their defense. They're going to want that hard skill, someone who's tough to play against. And they probably can take some solace in the fact that he's not going to be put in the same role on their team as he was in Anaheim. And, you know, that should help his results a little bit because we see how strained the Ducks are, which is, you know, the nature of a rebuild. Mm-hmm. For John Klingberg, it's so interesting because we always talk about how players are going to do better in environments that are more sustainable and stronger. And, you know, Klingberg went to the Ducks and we thought maybe he'd rebuild his value, but it seems like, you know, his game hasn't clicked as well as it could have here. So I am curious if a team, you know, tries to isolate what his impact still can be. Maybe a team like the Carolina Hurricanes, who are one of the smarter in the league, can see where he is and see if that's, you know, a fit for them. He's been rumored to go there before. Although I don't know why that team would need anyone else on defense at this point. So I know you were reporting yesterday that the Canucks and Penguins had been possibly in talks and the Penguins have been, you know, clearing some cap in their team as well. Um, What are you looking at with the two teams? So the Penguins need to do something. Mm -hmm. What? I'm not so sure. Um, Some of the deals that were rumored for them already, I don't know how much they make sense because you look at the players that could be in the mix because they're going to have to clear more cap if they want to make a really big trade already. You know, they shed cap in his contract. They got super lucky. The blues took him off waivers and here, you know, they're going to have buried cap hits to manage, but this feels like a team that needs to do something. And I don't know if moving players with term is necessarily the answer because some of the players they could move with term outside of their four players are ones who have, you know, outperformed expectations this year. So I'm really intrigued to see what they do. They need help on defense. They could look for a new goaltender. They could look for another forward. And none of that's what you want to hear at the deadline. This should be a time where you supplement your core instead of having to address every single position. And they don't have a ton of assets to do it. But I think the pressure's on because as long as it's Crosby, Latang, and Malkin, they're going to want to contend, and rightfully so. They don't have the patience to step back and retool, and they're still in, you know, a wild card position. So, you know, I, I am looking for them to do something big. The rest of the East is moving on without them, and they just have to do something to try to catch up when they were already behind a lot of the contenders as it was. What other teams do you have your eye on that maybe haven't had any moves yet, but you're expecting to see or hoping to see something from them? I'm really curious about Detroit because, you know, the Red Wings, I think we're in a good position to say we're going to keep our players as rentals. It's totally different from a team like the Islanders saying that because they have the stockpile of assets. They've been using their own draft picks. They have prospects. They have cap space. And if they moved a pick or two, it, was, it wouldn't really be a big deal for them versus a team like the Islanders that's emptied the cupboards and still isn't good enough right now. Um, so they can afford to do that. But, you know, the last three losses have been really tough. They have one more game before the deadline. And I don't know how much one game is going to be a determining factor in their plans. But if you put together the four games or the last five games, maybe that is. Do they start to sell because they realize they're just not in the race as much as they were during their hot streak? Or could they do something splashier altogether and really better their chances? Like if any team has the assets to do that, it's Detroit. So they're the team I want to see what they're going to do next. Edmonton picked up Matias Ekholm from the Nashville Predators as well on Tuesday. What was your impression of Edmonton improving on that end? So I think this is actually a good trade for them in that they needed a good shutdown defenseman, which Ekholm is without question. Mm -hmm. You know, the term is a little bit tough to navigate. It's not the worst contract. And I I think it's going to age pretty well, but maybe it's not 
the perfect deal that you're betting on someone to be fine into their mid thirties, which, you know, they have to really maximize this window. The tough part is moving Tyson Barry out because he is a good source of offense. He's a good power play quarterback. So it's really banking on Evan Bouchard to step up unless they have another move, you know, in the fold to bring in another puck moving defenseman. And, you know, they still need to do something up front. That second line just isn't what it should be. And Leon Dreisaitl is not doing well enough to drive it on his own. And some of it's the caliber of line meets he's had, but I still look at Edmonton and think they have to do more. And if any team's in a position to make bold moves and really capitalize on their regular season, it should be them. You just talked about the Detroit Red Wings, and I actually just yep. got a notification from Emily Kaplan <laughs> yeah. that the Red Wings and Dylan Larkin ex- signed a long-term extension. Uh, I mean, that's great for Detroit fans to keep their captain there, I'm sure. Yeah, you know, centers are hard to come by, especially top six caliber centers. I think that Larkin, you know, there's some mixed reviews on him. Is he the elite game-breaking center you want to build around? I think he's a tier below that. I think he's a very high-end 1C And, you know, the contract is going to be big, but it does seem like he's earned it by sticking with Detroit through Mm -hmm. the tough years that now they should want him to be a part of the next chapter that they're just starting out on. I really do like him as a player. I think the contract is going to be fine for them. They have the cap space to make this work. And it's a piece now they don't have to start searching and start from square one again, because if they were to be without Larkin, you know, it's not elite players don't grow on trees. You're mm-hmm. probably going to draft and develop them. And that's a whole nother project. And that's a whole nother timeline. You, you know, unless you're getting someone because of the free agency st- system, the way it works, you're going to be getting someone at the wrong point in their career. So, you know, I think this was a really pivotal moment for them. Shana Goldman, thank you for joining us here on light the lamp and uh, enjoy the rest of the trade deadline week. Thanks for having me. And it's time for my final quack for this episode, where I share my last thoughts before the end of the show. The Ducks are taking on the Capitals tonight here at Honda Center with a 7 p.m. puck drop, 6.30 pregame on Duckstream. Don't miss it. Make sure to listen at AnaheimDucks.com slash Duckstream, which you're probably already doing right now. Or you can listen also on the TuneIn app. Thank you for listening to Light the Lamp. I am Alexis Downey. Come back again later this week as the clock ticks on the trade deadline for more hockey talk right here on Duckstream. This is an Anaheim Ducks original production on Duckstream.